0: Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder. This week, summer loving or summer trouble? You want to stick around for this little break of all that hardcore dance that has to be a little bit out of Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And this week, we are going to talk about summertime. And you know that there's a lot of trouble that's associated with this time of year. But before we get into that, as always, I am your host, Dr. Ernie Ward.
1: I'm Dr. Cindy Courtney.
2: And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser.
0: And guys, it is summer. You excited? Oh, I'm ready. I love the summer. Well, Becky and I live at the beach, so we live for this time of year, well, Parts of this time of year, not the tourists so much, but we love going to the beach, hanging out, surfing, paddling, all that stuff. But, Cindy, you're in the middle of the country, so how's Mm -hmm. summer there?
1: I am. You know, when I moved from the East Coast to the Midwest, there are all these, like, really deceptive pictures of, like, fields that make you think it's going to be really dry out here. It's just as humid.
0: Oh, yeah. Humidity is the one part of uh, living in the South I don't (laughs) always like. But guys, I know that our listeners are are sitting there at work. They're on their way to work. They're coming home from work and summer stresses are real. And Becky, you spend a lot of time uh, and part of your career has been around emergency medicine, working in emergency veterinary clinics talk to us about the unique pressure of summer ER work
2: sure I think one of the craziest things about being in an emergency clinic especially where we live is the dangers that exist in the environment that people just have no idea about when they come from other places in the country so if you were to come out here Dr. Cindy from the Midwest you might not yeah. realize that we have things like oyster beds where you would mm-hmm. throw a tennis ball for your dog and normally they would come in and out of the water no problem these guys are going to get all cut up we've also about a lot of poisonous snakes and spiders. Eee. Dangers.
0: Yeah, and yeah. salt water ingestion. I oh, mean, so no matter sanic- where you are, <laughs> right? Is- I mean, I see a lot of dogs that go to the beach and like, oh, my gosh, there's a lot of water. And they drink all this water and then they're vomiting
2: their guts out later.
0: Yeah, Heat stroke
2: just from being out on the beach and not having cover because you're not thinking about what your dog is not used to being exposed to that heat. They get hot and they go in, they get wet and that dissipates in a different way. It attracts the sun. So there's a lot of dangers for our clients when they're traveling throughout the summertime.
0: Yeah. And Becky, I don't know about you, but one of the things that we see a lot are the, so they, they, where we live, you can't take your dog to the beach during certain hours of the day. So typically like after eight or 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. or so, most of our beaches are closed to dogs, which means the tourists come down with their dog. They walk them in the morning and then they put them back in their rental condo or home or whatever while they go to the beach all day or play golf or do whatever, and then they come home to a dog who has ingested something, who has hurt themselves somehow while they try to chew through a couch or a door or whatever. Yeah. you know. So do you ever see that, Becky?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's a new location. It's a new house. Right. Sometimes it's, I have no idea what he ate because it's my summer rental, or I don't know yeah. what kind of rat poison they use, or I don't know what this could have been because they're rental houses. And so it gives us a lot of talking points for our clients when we think about hidden dangers wherever they're going. And I, I sometimes wonder are we having that conversation with our clients out there in practice and, and talking about where they're going?
1: Yeah. And I think that's such a good point. I remember moving from the East Coast and a Lyme endemic area and moving out to the Midwest and realizing that we we as of yet, though it's spreading, unfortunately, have very, very little Lyme disease out here. And and how often are clients even telling us necessarily that they're going for a vacation someplace far away? And do we even get that chance to tell them, or are we being proactive? And also, when when clients move, you know, summertime's also a big time for people uh, making big life changes, moving around the country. I try and know as much as I can about what the different dangers are in different parts of the country but it is really hard to keep track um, you know where where is that fungus prevalent again you know what right. is the risk yeah. of that particular kind of tick uh, you know it's definitely hard to keep track of all those things.
2: Absolutely and then your client ends up in a town they've never been in before. they have a medical emergency and a lot of times they don't even know where the closest clinic is. If it happens to be daytime hours now they've got to find a general practice that's going to squeeze them in the middle of the day with no records, no history. Dr. Ernie, when you had your practice down on Ocean Isle, how'd you guys handle that?
0: Right. Well, and that's a whole nother can of worms and complications because now you're already booked, you're slammed, you're double booked, you know, triple booked sometimes with your own clients and in walks a tourist with a dog who has a sand spur. Right?
1: <laughs> <You're kinda laughs> like, sand
0: hey, spur. You I don't know, even
1: know I, what you guys are talking about. What the heck is a <laughs> sand spur? They're oh. these
2: horrible little spiny, Ugh. impossible to, they stick to no matter what they touch. I think every part of the country has a version of them and they're called different names. But it's one of the top things we see as emergency lameness in the clinic. But it feels oh, great to right. not even have to take them out of the lobby and say, I've fixed your lameness. Oh, they <laughs> come in. <laughs> your yeah. vacation.
0: Yeah, Cindy, it's hilarious because, well, it's not hilarious, but, you know, the client comes in and they go, I think my dog's broken his leg. Yeah. You know, because oh, the man. dog can't put any weight down and it's down Wow. They, they wow. try to touch it, you know, and, and the dog just is freaking out. So then you're the hero. But um, but getting back to, to this, you know, how do you deal with that schedule? And I would say that is one of the biggest challenges that we face in the summer in, in particular. And, you know, there's no easy way. You know, obviously, Becky, if someone comes in and it's a real emergency, you know, not a Sandspur, um, but the dog is bleeding or has difficulty breathing or collapse, whatever, you know, from heat, you, you know, that takes precedent. I mean, that's just a, a given. But it's the other stuff it's the my dog was at the beach all day and now he's not feeling well you know our, our my cat we brought down here I think she's having problems with the litter box you know those are the ones that really wreck your schedule there's no easy way to do it you know a lot of us down here we used to say we, we charge a, a tourist fee you know <laughs> so I will say that there's no discounts you know there's they're yeah. definitely going to be fully charged um, but you know it's, it's one of those those real challenges but Cindy getting back to this one thing when your clients are traveling you're right we don't mm. often know that they're going on vacation. Um, is there anything that we can do, maybe as a profession, to better educate the clients and say, "Look, when you are going to the beach, there's, here's a couple of things you need to know about the risk and dangers." But also make sure you locate the emergency clinic. Do you guys do anything like that?
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I think as we were preparing to talk about this topic, I recognize that that we don't. And what I think is funny is, I don't know about you guys, but in my area, there's definitely particular kinds of vacations that most people in my area go on. So, so where I am, most people go to the lakes. So like Lakes of the Ozarks is, is a kind of common vacation spot near where I am. And so I think it's, it's important for us to, one, recognize what those common vacation spots are and what the common risks are, but also just to recognize in general that, you know, hey, this is the time of year that most people go on vacation, there are other times of the year around the holidays and, and things like that, that people do too. Um, let's take advantage of the fact that w- we might have a relevant message for our clients. And let's reach out to them and kind of talk to them about, you know, th- grab their attention, build that bond right. that they have with the practice uh, with with this practical information.
0: And this is a great opportunity for your social media, you know, so as we lead up and into summer, you know, especially before like July 4th and things like that, you know, maybe putting on your social media, a checklist of things that you want to, you know, your clients to know about, uh, maybe say, you know, here, are, if there's a common area, here are the four emergency clinics at, what do you say? Lake of the Ozarks or whatever. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. so, so go ahead and, and maybe make it easy for our clients because that would allow engagement. And again, you know, we're always trying to drive them back to our website or whatever.
1: Yeah, and I think one other thing that we wanna think about during this this time of vacation is that while some people take their pets with them, a lot of people don't. And while some of them are gonna be boarding their pets with us and, and we may know about that, we also wanna be really aware of who's taking care of those pets. And do right. they have the appropriate permission and, and a way to contact yes. owners when those owners are away? Because I think that's the other thing we deal with, right? Is maybe a pet is getting medications, they get too much, they get too little, or they feel sick, the person's not sure whether to give that medication. And then we can't get in touch with them or we don't have authorization to to charge for services and, and all of that.
0: Yeah, Cindy, I want to jump in real quick. One of my absolute favorite forms of all time goes back to 20 plus years ago. And we had this little form that uh, we had people fill out when they were going on vacation that authorized the caregiver to make decisions for the or you know, in the event we couldn't get in touch with them. Also authorized a payment, things like that. If your clinic doesn't have something like that, that you at least offer, then I think you should consider it strongly.
2: Well, and I think that makes me also think about the pets that board with us while our clients are on vacation. And I know a lot of times it's really difficult to get a hold of a client to ask about the pet, but also you and I are in hurricane country. And there are times when a general practice has a boarding population and a hurricane can be coming and they've got to evacuate those dogs or get the dogs out of there and close down. And so what is your clinic's backup emergency plan for these types of, of things that happen this time of year? Because coastally it can be a real issue.
0: Yeah, Becky, I mean hurricane season began June first for us yeah. on the East Coast. So these I've I've dealt with this multiple times where literally, you know, especially think of Fran and Floyd. These were massive disasters. Yes. And you know, we we were in a forced evacuation now My uh, main clinic was designated as a hurricane relief shelter for animals. We, there were some legalese that we got out of for people. So we, we remained open during all of those hurricanes Uh, category four. We would have to, there's a mandate that you have to leave, but um, yeah, you, you know, it's a pain in the butt. It's really dangerous and risky. And, you know, you can imagine, uh, especially Fran and Floyd, Becky, you remember we were like without power for, you know, seven, 10 days during those hurricanes. And that really got to be trying yes. uh, as far as medications. We had a lot of diabetics that we were uh, keeping at the time. I mean, wow, it was n- no easy way around that. Just, yeah. you know, you just and
2: something it's always better to be thinking ahead for as we kind of reflect on what can we encounter
1: this time of year? It's so true. That makes me think as well, as you're talking about diabetics and medications, and again, while our clients are traveling, um, it's happened for me. You know, I've gone on vacation or I've gone on a trip and I'm epileptic, so I have medications that I need to be on. And uh, even being a doctor, I sometimes you know, run out or forget them or something happens and I need my medications right away. And, and luckily, because I'm a human being, it's relatively easy to get that refill or to transfer that refill. Um, I think often we get requests from those kinds of clients to fill medications within our practices, even if we don't have a relationship with that specific client. And I think the legality and the ethics yeah. of, of doing that is, is pretty yes. hotly debated in our profession. Any any thoughts on that, guys? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that makes me think about those prescription diets, right? Where do you fall even yeah. on those?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's a whole nother pseudo <laughs> issue. Uh, the yeah. reality is, you know, veterinary clinics are not independent pharmacies, which means right. you can't call another vet and say, yeah. fill this prescription, we legally don't have that right. right. Um, now we do it as a courtesy, and that's why Cindy, you mentioned something interesting—the ethics of it, yeah. which I think is the more important. Because you know, come on, it's a dog, it's a, a colleague, or whatever. And so, certainly in my career, I've made those—I've I've filled those prescriptions for people in need. But legally, you are out on a limb. You're in some gray area. Probably wouldn't have a problem, but if you were prescribing something that could be misused for humans, for example, yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're you're definitely liable.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think we're definitely talking about some of the, the kind of medical challenges that, that happen during the summertime. Um, but there are also some of those practice professional challenges. I don't know about you guys, but, um, one of the things I would find sometimes when I practice in the DC area is if people were traveling and they came to see us, um, we were one of the highest median income counties in the country. so costs were also significantly different when people came to see us for care. Yeah. And so that was also a challenge when when people came in, their minds were just blown by how expensive things were and, and they weren't prepared for that either.
0: Yeah, and they probably blew up on you, blaming Mm -hmm. you, you know, like, how can this be? You know, back home, it only costs 20 bucks.
2: Yes, absolutely. And they have no hesitation to make you feel terrible (laughs) for that. Or again, the vacationers who are on their vacation who say they can't afford the emergency care that you're, you know, saying that their pet needs. And it really is something for us to think about in terms of keeping everyone prepared and making sure our clients have the tools that they need. But are you prepared for an emergency even on the road. So how do you guys prepare for those car rides? You get all of those inquiries of how do I get my pet to where I'm going?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That and that's a that's a whole nother opportunity for you to educate clients online, create handouts. You know, what, what are the what are your tips and tricks for travel? Because your your clients are desperately seeking it and they're online and probably getting some whack advice, quite frankly. So I think it's really important right now for you to create these documents start putting on your social media, recommend when clients are calling you saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to be boarding my dog in DC where it costs $10,000. You know, here's a handout that might help you with that. And, and here's a shot of tequila.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, speaking of shots of tequila, uh, getting pets from point A from point B sometimes feels like it requires that with all the forms that we have to fill out <laughs> on our end. Um, especially when I was in the DC area, we have a huge diplomat and international population there. And so there were actually specific businesses that had had cropped up that specialized in helping pets get uh, travel internationally um, and to fly them where they needed to go. And and I don't know about you guys, but whenever somebody comes to me trying to get a health certificate for flying their pet in cargo, Uh, that is going to result in a very tough discussion where I say, you know, no, I can say sign no. <laughs> this and say that your pet is at no more risk than another pet, but I would not fly my own pet in cargo on a plane because I just don't feel like it's safe.
0: Absolutely. And we just had another death. You know, Delta yeah. had a, a Pomeranian. A Pomeranian, guys, was yeah. flying in cargo. What kind of nonsense is that? Anyway, so, yeah, I'm 100%. I have a Pomeranian. I, I, Eventually, this is going to have to change radically. You know, I know that yeah. we've seen a lot of breed exclusions sort of tighten up uh, by the airlines over the past couple of years. But the reality is, like you said, Cindy, it is such a high risk that, man, it makes you feel really bad if you know that's going to happen. Uh, but speaking of, of travel, you know, what about health certificates? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but here's what I encounter. Somebody dashing in and they're like, I'm going to the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow. And I need this health certificate. It's like, not going to happen. I'm not the problem. But you know, this has to actually go to our State Department, then to their State Department, all this approval. So I mean, how do you guys, I've never cracked this particular nut, but how do you educate clients on, you know, hey, if you're traveling overseas to another country with your pet, you really better do your due diligence.
2: Well, I'm not sure I can give advice reaching in the past because I've had the same, very similar circumstances. But I think this is where we can use social media for good. And I I always hear people saying, like, we never know what to post on our website and our social media and our newsletters. And these are great opportunities, you know, around spring break to start talking about summer vacation with your clients, to start making sure that they're going to have the tools that they need. And really... Just even taking it to that ground level interview at the beginning of every appointment, you know, it it can't just be those quicks, any coughing, sneezing, vomiting, diarrhea, okay, the doctor will be right in. We have really got to get a handle on what our clients are doing and we have the gift of social media to do it. It's a wonderful tool in this case.
0: Yeah, and Cindy, you brought this up earlier, but you know, we have a lot of people in our area that are on boats, and so they're making a, a leap across to Bermuda or going down south to Bahamas, Turks, whatever, you know, they're doing those reaches. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of diseases down there that maybe they don't mm-hmm. encounter in New York. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's something too to sort of keep in mind when you're looking at that kind of international travel. But even more importantly, it's like looking at outbreaks that are happening in our own country. Right now, mm-hmm. we've seen, you know, on the West Coast, all Throughout this year, we've had over 500 documented cases of canine influenza. And now we've got at least 30 something cases documented in Brooklyn and Manhattan. So, you know, again, Cindy, it's one of those things like you better try to educate your clients as much as possible on what they might encounter in these destinations.
1: Absolutely. And, I think often we we think we have that discussion once. We have the lifestyle discussion once, right? You know, the the yep. new pet comes in and we talk about, you know, hey, what, what does that lifestyle of the pet look like? And we kind of think we're done. But how many of our lifestyles stay the same over the course of our entire life, right? You know, that changes yes. for us. And I think we need to, to be checking back in with, with our clients. And Becky, I think you make such a great point, which is that, you know, why are we not taking full advantage of all of the all of the people on our team and the other resources at our disposal, like social media, um, I heard a, a great presentation recently um, by Dr. Rourke on um, a recent study that was done. And I apologize, I'm I'm going to forget which company that did it, but they were looking at millennials and how they like to get information. And often they're making decisions based on information that they're collecting over a long period of time, which I think we all knew um, in our hearts, but maybe didn't have the data to back it up yet. And so recognizing that they They need to hear it from our receptionist and they need to hear it from the technicians and they need to hear it from the doctor and they need to hear it from their friend on social media. And so not just educating our clients, but really making sure that we educate our team as well so that when that client makes that just small talk with the receptionist about the fact that they're going to have a really great trip coming up in the next couple of weeks, our receptionist knows to alert us to that or to make a comment to the client about, hey, oh, did you think about such and such, or you should talk to the doctor to make sure you have all the things that you need um, as, you, as you're as you getting ready.
0: Yeah, for sure. And of course, that type of thinking goes way back to the 30s yeah. and 40s. Uh, even Nightingale kind of talked about the six times you need to hear something to accept it as fact, you know, so yeah. it's really important to re-emphasize and reinforce that message as many times as possible.
2: It's so true. And you know, it's got me here thinking about how we're giving all these great recommendations and ideas of all the time and energy we need to spend with our clients and talking about this and, and and I'm picturing the receptionist answering these phone calls for vaccine requests for our clients who are across the country and all these phone calls that say, hey... I'm going on vacation. What do I need to do? And, you know, it even creates more work just as we prepare our clients. And it creates it at a time when we're probably short-staffed. Because you know what? It's summer for Right. It's wedding season. It's go to the beach. Oh, I have the <laughs> Monday flu. Don't <laughs> think I'm going to be able to make it, Susan. <laughs> so how do you kind of deal with vacations and staff shortages and navigate that whole thing, knowing that this is coming on this time of year?
0: Yeah, you know, Becky, here uh, at the beach, we call it the 100-day war. So June, July, Aww. and August, and and it is a war. It's a battle every day, not only against all the tourists that are coming into our area, but against our own staff, because let's face it, like Becky said— you want to go do stuff. Your your kids are out of school. You want to go on vacation. Yada yada yada. So the summer stress that we dealt with the most was, of course, staffing issues. And and Cindy, I I don't know how it is. Well, I guess it's the same for you because your your staff they're leaving to go to the beach, perhaps.
1: Yeah, yeah, or to the and I don't know that you lake. know the beach yes. is really far away for us. <laughs> like you can't really get much further away from any beach. We're like smack dab in the middle of the country. But but yeah, to the lake. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, people, people want a break and they want a chance to relax. And we know it's a busy time of year and inevitably everyone wants the same week off. Right. And so figuring out, you know, how we're going to prioritize that, um, and, and figure out who gets off when without making everybody miserable. Um, and again, the times that people are there, they're, they're working their butts off. So how can we, we give them the appreciation that they need to feel like it's worth it.
0: Yeah. And if you're listening today and you you already don't know when you're taking vacation, are you afraid to ask your manager or boss that you, when you can take some time yeah. off? You, know, you need to do it now because not only do you owe it to the staff, but to the practice itself. And so, you know, Laura and I have stressed over and over on this podcast and lectures and writing, you know, you need to have this calendar. You need to sort of say, okay, everybody, when do you want to take vacation? There's going to be some priority based on, you know, how long you've been with the practice and so forth. But you really need to have this organized because what will happen is just what Cindy said. It's, it's two weeks before July 4th and suddenly half your staff wants off. And that mm-hmm. means half your staff is going to be super happy and the other half is not going to be very happy at all.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So so, and we need to to work with that. And I think one of the other things that we, we don't talk about as much is understaffing. So another thing we talk about with with moving, getting new positions, getting new jobs, a lot of new graduates coming out in the summer months is uh, that sometimes we're we're training new people, and our yeah. amazing veterinary technicians are having to deal with helping. Uh, Integrate those folks into the practice, right, Becky?
2: (laughs) Absolutely. You make such a good point too. And we you know, you know, I've teased before and said, you know, there's so many diagnostic requests that go along with (laughs) new grads and, and to add to that workload. Um, you know, but I'm gonna be honest with you. I think this time of year just does bring more sunshine and good weather and happy days and longer days, and so maybe you know, we can tap into that and make sure we have staff getting off a little bit early that filled in last week while everybody was out and they're enjoying those summer hours. And, you know, make sure you're, you're communicating with your staff that appreciation and gratitude. I know I've, I, I used to enjoy facilitating picnics and cookouts and just yeah. go pick up some popsicles. It's a great time of year to really enrich <laughs> your own staff and make sure that their quality of life is good, too, because it's going to be hectic no matter what you do.
0: You know, one of the things uh, Becky and Cindy, I miss about summer, and, and this is something that has evolved over the past decade, and that's like all the kids that used to come into the clinic, you know, so we yes. used to be just full of like high schoolers, you know, either volunteering or making a you know, little money, you know, helping out with walking dogs and things, but due to liability issues and maybe just a shift in mindset, you know, we just don't see that as much anymore. What about you guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I guess we don't have as as much of that either. So we definitely have a lot of folks who definitely are looking for a job and a a job that's going to continue past the summer uh, are most of the folks that we hire. And we don't have a ton of volunteers at this point. Um, But yeah, I, I you know, when I was coming up in the profession, I was there seasonally. I was there right. in the summer specifically to help out during that busy season, working as a vet assistant, and that helped me get the experience that that eventually led me to vet school. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, you
2: make a great point. Um, I hadn't really reflected on that till you said it. And, you know, for us, I think the first thing we always thought about is is who is responsible. You know, from an insurance standpoint and a liability standpoint, and then also you know, from the support staff standpoint, how am I kind of facilitating this person? Now I'm training, plus I have a new intern, plus I'm short staffed. Mm-hmm. So sometimes yeah. it can, you know, contribute in a negative way. But we always talk about you have to culture and facilitate those relationships. So you you make a good point. It's a difficult thing to balance. And um, I think practices can really find great ways to keep extra extra tasks on hand for those people who might be interested that are pretty self-led.
0: Yeah, I'd love to hear from our listeners. I mean, because in my experience growing up, you know, from when I was 13 years on, I was at a vet clinic. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was kind of my life. That was when they started letting me actually officially, you know, hang out and, and, and do stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, what what are your experiences, listeners? I mean, I'd like to hear, at what, you know, have we lost this? And is it, you know, changing our profession? Because what we do see is that students enter into veterinary schools in the United States with very very little practical experience. And so their expectations maybe are different. You know, they don't quite know what to expect when they get out. I mean, I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, and I would I would say the same thing for tech schools are seeing the same thing with less and less hands-on experience coming into it, which I think is good for the interest of the profession, but it does, it does do us a lot of good. And I think um, also with some of the testing changes. It has changed when internships are happening and and when our people are in school, and it can make it a little bit harder. But also, I think because people are traveling more, maybe there's less time to commit to something over the summer because we have so much more accessibility um, to get around. But I think that's an interesting point, and I can't wait to hear how it's being handled by all of our listeners.
1: And I know we've focused a lot in this particular podcast about the challenges that come with summer, but we've touched on on some of the good things too. I love Becky that you brought up the sun is out, you know, even if we're leaving the practice a little later in the evening, we may still be seeing the sunshine <laughs> when we're leaving the practice. And I think for so many of us, we got into this profession because because we love animals and we love making them feel better and and some of those challenging cases and staying busy also gives us a chance to be helping a lot of pets out there and training these new team members. So So share with us those things that you really enjoy about those summer months as well. Um, We'd love to hear from you
0: that way. I know, and it's so funny, you know, guys, it's July, middle of July, you're slammed. It's as crazy as it's ever been. And, you know, if you can just think ahead to f- middle of February, <laughs> when when you guys when you'll will be dread how this,
1: slow it is, yes.
0: you'll go like, what can I do today? There's nothing going on. I mean, I, I'm not saying your clinic would be like that. But, you know, the reality is we see these seasonal peaks and valleys. And like Cindy said, embrace it, enjoy it, go along for the ride and be grateful, like Becky was you know, referring to, because, you know, what we do is so so amazing. We're so fortunate and privileged to be able to do this. So it's kind of nice to sometimes sit back and go, Yes, I know it's crazy busy. And yes, I feel overwhelmed at times, but golly Moses, I wouldn't do anything else.
2: You're here. Yeah. Yeah. Around, cheers to that.
0: Well, you've heard what we have to say about the summertime love and the summertime stress, but we want to hear from you. What are some of your best summer stories? What are the things that you look forward to? And maybe the things that you wish you could forget.
1: And you can connect with us on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder. That's also our Instagram handle. And on Twitter at Vet Viewfinder. We'd also love to hear from you and and hear what you think of the podcast. We're we're in the neck of things. We're in the running for some of these top veterinary podcasts in the profession. So even just a four or five stars helps uh, bump us up just that little bit more.
2: And don't forget while you're there, click and subscribe so you don't miss one great episode of the Veterinary Viewfinder.
0: Until next time, bye! Bye! bye. So fun, we're all together. i of you
1: guys.
0: around see what you It's like the summer's a natural apple act, and with the pen and pad, I compose this to hit you when the kitchen equipped for the summertime.